Two weeks ago, I preached about, anybody remember? I said, hello, my name is what? Child of God. Okay. And uh, I, have, I stuck this in my Bible just to remind me that, you know, once in a while, I, hit, I heard from God. But I was talking about finding our true identity. And uh, if you weren't here for this service, uh, you need to go into the app or, or to YouTube or into our website, afachurch.net, and, and take a look at that and listen to it. Uh, because it's, I think it's a very important thing. It's also the background for this is really the second uh, of a series that goes with that. But uh, we, we answered the question of who am I? And we discovered that we were what? A child of God. Okay. Uh, I want you to put up Romans 14 from 814. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. And um, we discovered, and in, in, in as we were going through this, this uh, revelation, that they that are led by the Spirit, and, and, and Ricky, um, I'm speaking this morning out of the King James Version, okay? And I will, I will uh, elucidate it for you. I'll translate it for you, okay? If you have, a problem, if you have the message with, me, with you, God bless you. But uh, only this morning because I have so many uh, verses that I'm familiar with and I didn't have time to adjust them, so we, we could have, but... You know, you know what's more important than what translation you read? That you read it. Okay, so uh, whatever, you, whatever works for you, God bless you. I, I read the NIV, uh, but anyhow, I, I've memorized so much over the last 35 years in the King James that it's hard for me, and I do all the studies there. But anyway, so they that are led by the Spirit of God, they're what? The sons of God. And we understand that we're gender neutral in here. No, we, when we say sons, we also mean women. Okay, so that we're children of God. Okay, I saw uh, yesterday in the news that a, uh, a school in um, England, of course, in Sussex, locked out a bunch of female students because they would not wear gender-neutral clothing. They had mandated that even the girls must wear trousers. They don't say pants there because pants is the wrong thing. Trousers for the girls that were, and they, they had skirts on. They didn't want to wear trousers. And so they locked them out of the school. That's the world we're living in, friends. Anyway, I'm getting off track. They're the sons of God. Verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. Did you know you've been adopted into the family of God? And therefore we can cry, Daddy. Abba means daddy, father. The spirit itself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are, in fact, children of God. And if children, here's the important part, then what are we? We're heirs. We're not second-class citizens. We are heirs, and in fact, heirs of God and joint heirs woo, of, with Jesus Christ. So, and if we suffer with him, we also may be glorified in him. So, so it declares to us that we have received the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit's called the spirit of adoption there, okay? And so if I'm Christ, if, I, if I'm a believer, then I am a son of God. I might be adopted into his family, but God who made me in his image is not ashamed to be called my father. And I have the full rights and full possession as a natural heir, for in fact, I am a joint heir. You are a joint heir in Jesus to every promise he has made. You have an inheritance. Now, we discussed briefly, and I'm, I'm going back over some ground here, so stay with me. And this morning, I have a lot of scriptures, and we're going to go through them really fast. And if you lose one along the way in your app, just go back and, and listen to it. Uh, we're going to talk about it tonight in the care groups. But, but the benefits of being an heir in God's, as a child of God, well, the number one thing is eternal life. How about that? Okay. Salvation, which is, which is that. Okay. Peace of mind. Healing of my body. Healing of my spirit, soul, and body. Okay. All of that. Deliverance from addiction. Freedom from fear. Uh, oppression. I, I, get, I get love. I, I get the mercy of God. I get the joy of God. I have hope. 
I have infinite wealth and prosperity is at my disposal. My father owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, even though the, you know, the green people want to get rid of every cow because of you know, methane gas that they put out. I don't understand, but God owns them all anyway. So um, we get the grace of God. We have the dunamis of God. We get supernatural power. We have authority over every work of the enemy. That's good news, friends. That's called the gospel, okay? That's, that's the heirs. Not only that, but every trick, every test that you encounter that comes from the enemy, God has equipped you as a child of God with every tool you need to defeat the enemy of your soul. In every circumstance that arises against you, you are more powerful and you have more at your disposal than the enemy who would try to come out against you. You are God's. You are disciplined. You are loved. You are accepted. He's your father. You're a child of God. You're a super conqueror. You, you, you are more than an ordinary overcomer. You're a warrior in Christ Jesus. Sounds a little militant, doesn't it? Okay. Uh, it says the enemy is under your feet because you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are powerful in the spirit. The word of God is our sword and it defeats everything that comes against us. We have, we have armor and shields and everything we need to defeat anything that tries to come out against us. We are the undefeated because in the end we always win. We always triumph because Jesus has already triumphed for us. We are giant killers and Jesus is our big brother and God is our father and we belong to the family of God. If I stopped there, we'd be good. That's, that's our inheritance. That's just, that's just, do you know that's just scratching the surface? So as I was meditating on that, I, I, I have another revelation and I wanna take you down this road a little bit farther. Did you know that in the New Testament, there are more than 30 instances where the word mystery or mysteries is given, is referenced. Now, some of it's in reference to some things that don't, don't apply to what I'm talking about. So, so let me just say this. At least 22 times in the New Testament, the word mystery or mysteries talks about the things of God, the kingdom of God, the word of God, the word mystery. Okay? And I want to talk to you this morning about what this mystery is. And I want to open that mystery. I want to open that box up and understand. And I want us to have to find the understand the full ramifications of having a revelation of the mystery of God. What might that mean to us as children of God? And how will we walk as the, as those children of God in this world? Now, I know this sounds kind of deep, you know, and one thing I appreciate the fact that, you know, you're in a church today. I said this to somebody the other day, one of the most mature bodies that I've ever been around. I'm, I'm thankful that you all are mature, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to motivate you this morning to take that maturity and do something with it. So this is a little deep. And frankly, I'll be honest with you. I only have about this much revelation, and, and I don't, I, I, that's more than I can handle. And I'm going to try to impart that to you this morning, so stay, so stay with me. But I, but I believe I've only scratched the surface of it, and we may never get all the revelation of everything this means to have, to the, have the mystery of God revealed to us. But if we will catch if we'll catch this little bit I'm going to share with you this morning, I promise you, if you catch this, it will change your life. I promise you. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 13, 11. So I'm going to go, I'm going to speak. I apologize to my interpreter already, but I'm going to speak quick, but you'll get it, okay? We're translating into Spanish. So Matthew 13, 11. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, how come Jesus... How come you talk to all the other people that you meet and, and you, when you teach and everything, you share, you, tell, you talk to them in parables, in stories. And he came to them and said, and yet you talk to us differently. And he said to them, 
because it's given to you. And he's talking about the children of God. He's talking about you. It's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but it's not given to them. They can't understand it. Even if I told them, they wouldn't understand it. But I want you to grasp something. God has given you a revelation on the mysteries of God because you're his child. He wants you to see the full scope of everything that that means to him, okay? So, and then 1 Corinthians, uh, I forgot one. Uh, I'll, I'll read it here. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. If I can find it, I'll read it. Paul says, he says, let, let a man so account us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So God, Paul writes to the church and, and he's telling them, God has made you. Now, this mystery as it was revealed to you, God has made you stewards and ministers of the mysteries of God. And, we're, and it's called upon stewards to be faithful in what God has given them. Okay, you still with me? Okay, because we're going to stand before God one day and give an accounting before God of what we did with what we know. Now, I want to particularly draw your uh, eyes to the book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 25. And Paul is ending this book to the Roman Jew, to the Roman Christians, and, and he said, now to him that is of power, so he's talking about Jesus, to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. So Paul, put that slide up. Paul is about to reveal to them, he's telling them, what you know was a mystery. It was hidden throughout all the ages, only now in Jesus Christ has it been revealed to you. Now, part of the revelation is that you're a child of God. The revelation normally understands is it's eternal life. It's all the things I went down the list with, okay? But if you go to most commentaries and look that up, and they're going to talk to you about it's salvation. It's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But yes, that's true. But what does the gospel include? See, we've only, we've only begun to scratch the surface of what... I, I gave you a whole list of stuff. That's just, that's just a part of your inheritance. Now, if you come to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9... And Paul again is writing, and he says, I, 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 want, I want you, as a church of Jesus Christ, to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Why? So that the intent will, will now be that principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. In other words, the revelation that I've given to you as the church of Jesus Christ has been given to you and, and all of creation, all of heaven, all of hell, all the principalities and powers are seeing this revelation, this mystery. See, Connie, Pastor Connie was right when she said the devil knew, the devil knew what was going to happen at the cross. So he tried to kill all the babies because suddenly he figured, he knew Messiah was coming. He knew Jesus was coming. But now God wants to reveal the manifold wisdom to this world. It, we read last week or two weeks ago in Romans 8 about how, how all of creation itself is actually even groaning in anticipation of the sons of God to be manifested in this world, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that God has intended for them from the beginning. So he talks about the wisdom of God. It, it's, it's, a, it's a hidden wisdom. It's a mystery. But God, he said, but God has revealed it through Paul, and now the church understood it, and I'm gonna, I want to help you with it. So when we talk about the mysteries, it includes the Trinity. Does anybody here understand the Trinity? Okay. It's a, it, it really is a mystery. That 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Trinity. The concept of the Trinity was hidden. It's the, the Godhead, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The union of two natures, human and, and, and divine, in him. Redemption by Jesus Christ. The, the, the sacrifice, the, the justification that we're made, we're right in the sight of God because of his righteousness, because we, we believe that we've been pardoned from the penalty of, that we had over us of death by his blood. We, the, the resurrection of the dead. Uh, these are all clearly defined to us and clearly given. They're part of the mysteries of God. And he says, unto the principalities and powers, to the angels in heaven and to the angels here on this earth and in hell. And that the church might be revealed, the manifold wisdom of God. So we talk about the fact that we've been, we've been adopted as children of God. There was a, a young man and he sat down to breakfast one morning and his father came up to him and said, son, I got some news I want to talk to you about, a little, have a little discussion. He said, yeah, dad, what is it? He says, son, you were adopted. I said, what? Well, I, I want to know my biological parents. I said, who were they? He says, oh, we're your biological parents. Now pack up. Your new ones are coming for you in 20 minutes. <laughs> When they reach teenage years, I think that's probably, you know. But did you know? Well, there's one more like that. On, the, on, on a particular couple's 40th wedding anniversary, and uh, they, they said that they told their children they're starting to feel really old. And so... Uh, one of them told, say, well, Dad, it's never too late in life to do the things that you've always wanted to do. So they put him up for adoption. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Okay, I should have left it alone. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. But the difference is, when you're adopted, you know, people come up to, my, my, my daughter and son-in-law, you know, adopted a, a, young, a young girl from South Korea. And, and I'll bet people have come up to her and said, you're adopted? Don't they say that? You know? And they said, well, yeah, two white people gave birth to an Asian. I mean, you know, either you know, it's a miracle or either mom's not been telling us everything or something. So uh, I don't know, leave it alone, right? Okay, sorry. I carried away. But the difference is Emma was adopted into the family. She has the rights as a, as a family member of the Kivet family and she's a joint heir with the rest of them, okay? But the difference is, Emma's DNA is South Korean. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, something changed. Not only were you adopted into the family and have rights and privileges as heirs, but you took on the DNA of our Father. Now, I... I I don't understand it all, and don't, don't put me in places I'm not going. But all I know is this, that I am a child of God. I carry his DNA inside me. So when we talk of the mysteries of God, the normal understanding of that is the atoning sacrifice of the blood of Jesus, of the perfect God-man Jesus, the grace, the resurrection of the dead, eternal life, all that, all that stuff, that's, that's all the normal. If you look in every commentary, I, I, I must have looked at 10. That's all anybody talks about. But do you know something? In, the, in, in Hebrew, the word mystery <laughs> means mystical. And it means supernatural. Now, all the resurrection and all the salvation, all that stuff is part supernatural, but... But when you get into, into Jewish, I, I hate to use, the word mystical sounds spooky and weird, right? I'll give you a perfect example. Connie, Pastor Connie was going for her ordination with several presbyters of, of the Ohio District of the Assemblies of God. And I was in there, and the, and the uh, one brother says to her, she says, uh, 
You see, you have to understand my wife, and I know many of you, we've been here for a couple of years, you understand her, at least that much, and I don't understand her. If you understand her, let me know. But, but she's been known to give prophecies and, and so forth in district council meetings, in general council meetings before 20,000 people. Uh, nothing holds her back. And so they asked her that day, um, what's it like to be mystical? And she said, I thought that was a bad word. But what he was really trying to say was, you know, that you're, you're, you step out into the supernatural realm. You hear from God. And, and so I, I don't want you to take this in the wrong way. But the mystery revealed is a whole lot more than salvation. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, I've got to pick up some speed here because I'm taking too long. It's all the side trips I keep taking. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, Brandon. So Paul says, I, was, I, was, I spent my time with you in weakness, just in humility, in fear, trembling. He says, in my speech, he's talking to the Corinthian church, in my speech and my preaching, I'm not the greatest orator, it, it, it wasn't enticing words that would make you turn, but it was rather, in fact, that when I came to you, I came to you in a demonstration, a manifestation of the Spirit of God and power. He was mystical, you see. So why? So that your faith would not just rest on my words, but rather on the power, and that power there in the one in the verse before is dunamis, supernatural, tangible, explosive, dynamic power. Miracle working power. I didn't want your faith to rest in words. I wanted you to see God move in your midst. And you did. And so you came to Jesus Christ. Go down to verse 9, okay? We've heard this verse. If you go to a funeral, you'll often might hear it read. He says, but I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Huh. But the next verse says, go to verse 12. Verse 12. But we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us by God. So which is it? I have not seen or ear heard, neither in the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for us, or that we know the things that God has freely given to us. It's a little of both. We do not even have a glimpse, a glimmer, an understanding, a, a smallness to understand how much God has given to us. But by the Spirit of God that lives inside of it, we can know those things. Amen. The mystery is revealed to us. We, we will grasp a hold of it. If you ask God, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. The next verse says, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. Next verse. But, keep going, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But, next verse, uh, I forgot to give it to you. Okay, but, but anyway, you can't receive, you can't understand in the natural mind everything God has done for you. But by the Spirit that's living inside of you, he will open it up to you and display it to you. So I'm telling you this morning, you can know what I'm talking about. You can know what God has for you and you can walk in it because the revelation will be clear, become clear to you, okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians, oh, he that is spiritual, well, okay, never mind. 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse three. Paul is rebuking the church because they have divisions in the Corinthian church. Some say, some say, well, I like Paul's preaching. I like Apollos' preaching. Well, I like Jesus' teaching. We're of Jesus. And others are just like, we're independent, but that's even better. So he says, you're carnal, you're fleshly. You're not spiritual. There's envy, there's strife among you. There's divisions. Aren't you carnal? Don't you walk just as men? Can, can you put up, that's the one I wanted in the NIV. Can you pull that same verse up in the NIV, 1 Corinthians 3, 3 and 4? Type that in there. Okay. See the last part of that? Paul rebukes them for their 
for carnality. And he says, aren't you walking around as mere humans? The idea is, is that we are not just mere humans. If he's rebuking them for walking around as mere humans, there must be the, there must be the 180 degree corollary that we must be something beyond mere humans. What are we? We're children of God. We're spirit beings. We're supernatural spirit beings. Why are you still walking around like a mere human? Why do you live beneath the potentiality of what God has for you? Why are you living so far beneath what God has intended for you to live in? And verse 9 then goes, goes, goes to say, we are laborers, so that we are co-laborers with God. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. Now stay with me. This is, this is where it starts. I'm, I'm, I'm about to show you something. Matthew 6, Jesus tells us, pray like this. Father, your will be done on this earth just like heaven. Why pray that way? Couldn't God make earth look like heaven? He did once. Couldn't God save every person in this world in his own way with angels or whatever? Couldn't he do that? But he didn't. He chose you and me to be co-laborers with the Spirit of God, with what Jesus Christ has already done, to build the kingdom of God. If we're co-laborers and joint heirs, we must have power we haven't yet not tapped into. Why are we living as mere men when we are co-laborers with Jesus Christ in this world, in his kingdom, trying to make his kingdom be fit, you know, Come into this earth. And the key to all of it is found in verse 16. And this is the mystery that is revealed. Don't you know? What? No, you're not. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The dunamis of God. Do you not understand who you are? When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, the Holy Spirit came and took up residence in you. It regenerated your spirit. That eternal spirit that was going to hell is now going to heaven. He's put himself inside of you. And now inside of you lives a third person of the Trinity. The one that made the universe. The one that swung the stars in space. The one that created the world. The one that created everything in this earth. You have that same spirit in you. Don't you understand who you are? My goodness, inside of us, see, this, this is the revelation that will change your life. I've said it from this pulpit probably a hundred times at least in the last 18 years. But if you ever get a, and, and the Lord was just showing me this week, he said, mystery, mystery, mystery. The mystery is that Christ in you is the hope of glory. The mystery is that Jesus Christ is living. The mystery is you're the temple of God. You are a child of God, but your DNA is not a human. You're not a mere human. You're a child of God. All things. Do, do you understand when he says all things are possible to them to believe? Well, why are they? Because we're children of God. Do you not understand, he says, who you are? You're having an identity crisis. It's because you're walking around as mere human because you do not understand who you are and whose you are and who's in you. Colossians 1, 25 says it this way. Wherefore, I am made a minister, Paul says. According to this dispensation, I've been put here at this time to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is being made manifest in the saints <laughs> to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles. See, that's another part of the revelation is the Gentiles get to come into the kingdom too. Hallelujah. The revelation, the revealed, the revealed mystery is what? Christ in you. The hope of glory. He says it's been hidden 
all this time. But now, at this moment, the church is supposed to, he pulls the cover back from the mystery. Get it, Christ in you. Not only were you bought with a price, not only are you children of God, but you're natural people, natural spirit beings. That's not even right. You're supernatural beings in Christ Jesus because inside of you lives the creator of the universe. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. I said it earlier. You are new creatures. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you became something new. Old things pass away. I, I was a child of Elizabeth and, and Victor Snyder. I was born, you know, blah, 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 and, and whenever. But I still am their child. But you know what? Actually, that's passed away. And now I'm a child of God. And I've received a new DNA. I've received the spirit of the living God lives inside of me. Christ in me. Christ is in me. I don't understand it. I don't have a full revelation of it. I don't even know what it all it truly means. I have this much of it, and I can tell you it'll change your life. Something changed in us at salvation. So as the children of God, our Father, <laughs> our Father expects us to go into the family business. The family business is what? Souls. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the reason Jesus came. All the rest of this is excess in order to help us get souls. And so God expects us to go into the family business and see souls saved, see souls won, uh, preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk on the authority and, and, and declare uh, the victory to as many as possible. Because we are super, supernatural beings, and we now have access to God. Do you know it says in the scriptures that kings and prophets long to look into our day? Long for what we had. Put that other slide up for me, would you, Brandon? So the mystery revealed is what? It's Christ in you. That's your inheritance. And everything that that represents. To see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. In the power of the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit. To have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. See, it's the Trinity. It's salvation. It's eternal life. It's joy. It's peace. It's all. But you know, there, there's, there's something... There's another realm, the supernatural realm. Did you know that the Spirit of God can talk to you at any moment? We heard him speak this morning. We had a prophecy and then a tongues and interpretation. God speaks to us. Did you know you can have access all day long to the, to the, to the Father? Did you know that when prophets were in the Old Testament... They prophesied because the Spirit of God would come upon them like a coat and cover them a mantle and would give them a word and then it would lift. But do you now know the Spirit of God's living inside of you and it doesn't lift? We walk in the Spirit because we are the sons of God. Those that are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. They can, they can hear the voice of God, not voices, they can hear the voice of God. You can speak what God says to speak. Jesus said, I, I go about, I only do what I see the Father doing. How can he do it? Because the Spirit of God in him was revealing to him what the Father was doing. And that's what he's doing for you. You can have the same thing. As he is on this earth, so, so are we in this world. You understand that? It says, I, I, I'm not, I've never been a big fan getting all this under this angelology and all this stuff, but did you know angels are sent to be ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation? You can have dreams and visions. I couldn't sleep last night. I woke up at about 4.30 this morning. I've been awake ever since thinking about this word this morning because I believe it's so imperative, so important that we get a, we get a glimpse of this thing. The, we, we can have a continuous relationship with the, with the king of kings. The presence of God. We don't have to come in here on Sunday mornings and wait for the presence. I carry the presence. 
Is there anything too hard for God's children? No, because God lives inside of you. Is there anything too hard for him? See, the problem is so much of the church has no grasp of this at all. What we have in this world today, the reason we're having all this nonsense is because the church has abdicated its role in this world as a power agent, as an agent of change in this world. We are letting the world dictate to us what the church looks like because the church has no power. When I grew up, I never heard about any of this stuff. We have a weak, lily-livered, impotent church in this world. Well, let me put it this way, in, Western, in, in America and Western Europe. Uh, if I take you down to South America with me or Africa uh, or the, even you know, some, <laughs> Eastern Europe, you'll see a totally different church. Paul says it again. He repeats that verse that I gave you in 3.16 in, in chapter 1 Corinthians 6.19. He says, what? No, you're not. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy. He's trying, trying to make a point. The one who created worlds lives inside of you. If that's the case, why do we struggle so much with having faith for anything? 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Did you hear me? Greater is he who's in you. We say that all the time. Do you understand? The third person of God is living inside of you. Therefore, greater is he who's in you than anything you come up against in this world. Amen. Do you realize that in the power of the spirit that lives inside of me, I can decree, declare, and prophesy the word of the Lord as he gives it to me over my family, over my city, over this nation. Now, I didn't say there wouldn't be warfare. It takes more than one. But, but you know what? One, one would be a good place to start. Can you imagine a whole church who understood that? A church who has discovered who they are in Christ cannot lose a single battle. I preached a few months ago about our praise being a weapon. The word of God is an offensive weapon. We have so many tools at our disposal. We, we don't have earthly weapons. Ollie Joyce was here last week. She was teaching Sunday school. If you put up 2 Corinthians chapter 10, these are very familiar verses to us. But, but think of it in a different context. Think of it now as the fact that the spirit of God is living inside of you. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10, verse uh, whatever, whatever that is, 3. Okay, look at that. Though we walk in the flesh, we, we, we live in this world as fleshy people, but we're really spirit beings. I'm an alien <laughs> to this world. We're not warring after the flesh. Our warfare was not with people. It's, it's in the spirit, right? And, and so the next verse says, so the weapons that we've been given to fight this warfare are not fleshly weapons, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Because what? They're, they're spiritual weapons. I've got the sword of the spirit. I've got the word of God. I've got prophecy. I've got tongues. I've, I, I've got all these things at my disposal. Yes, I have the gospel, but there is something so much more, and it will pull down every stronghold of the people that are under the control of the enemy. It defeats them. And you walk in that authority and you pronounce their, their, their liberty over them. The power of God emanating through God's people will destroy every weapon that the enemy has tried, to, every wall that has tried to gone up to hold back and oppress the people of this world. And then and the next verse, verse 5 says, it will cast down. The biggest fight we have is with our own minds, but it's also in the minds of people, casting down false imaginations and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. The world trying to lift everything up. You know what the world is trying to do? They're trying to worship the creation rather than the creator. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Wait a minute. That's just wrong thinking. I'm a child of God. The Spirit of God is inside of me. Holy Spirit, what do you say? See, how many times have you actually done that? I'm talking to mature people. We know this is truth. I'm not saying anything you don't already know. But how many times have we walk in it? 
when we come up against a circumstance, a situation, we don't know what to do. What do you do first? Well, let's make a list of pros and cons. We could do this or this. We could do that or that. What did God say? Did you ask him? We, we hurl down the strongholds of mere men because we're, we're not mere men. We're spirit beings. The greatest mystery that's been hidden from the world is not just salvation. It's of all the tools that have become the disposal of the heirs of God. Look, and I'm going to take this down a little bit further in a couple of weeks when I preach again after Jonathan comes. But let's, let's, go, to, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Turn, turn your Bibles with me. You can put it up on the screen. But if you have your Bible, a phone, tablet, whatever, I want you to turn there to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Tomorrow I'll be starting a new class of students, God bless you, on the book of Acts. In the second half of the year, I teach them Pentecostal theology. But I'm teaching Pentecostal theology all year. And I, mean, I go into some depth about the gifts of the Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to every man is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Say every man. Amen. Is that you? Gender neutral, okay? Every woman, every man has the manifestation of the Spirit, but only if we exercise it. Verse 8 says, to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is this. This is, this is all supernatural. This is not normal wisdom. This is not the pros and cons and what does the world say. It's a, it's a, it's a word. It's not all wisdom. It's some wisdom. It's supernatural wisdom to deal with. How, what, it answers really the question, what would Jesus do if he were here with this, per, this problem? How to act? What's the best course for me to take, Lord? What's the direction for this church? What's the direction for my family? I don't know what to do. Lord, I need wisdom. And suddenly, the Spirit of God drops into your spirit a word, a thought, a picture, a, a sentence, and tells you, this is what I would do. And you go, yes. By another, to another person, is given a word of knowledge. Knowledge is information. Think of it in the, in the 21st century uh, millennial time frame. It's a download from heaven of information. Supernatural information. I couldn't have gotten this. I didn't know this. There was no way for me to know it. Somehow I know this. How do I know this? Because the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. Could be about a person. Could be about a problem. Could be a circumstance. Whatever. Somehow supernatural information came flooding into you and by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the mystical stuff. This is the spooky weird stuff. But it's the necessary stuff. And it's who you are. And it's what you have access to. The next one, to another, faith is given by the same Spirit. Now, we all have to exercise faith to believe in Jesus Christ in the first place. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the gift of faith, supernatural faith, that I know, 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 that this is going to happen. I don't have any reason to believe it's going to happen, but I know that it will. Why? Spirit of God gives me faith. And so I stand against everything that's coming against me, everything that would, would rise up and say, that can't happen. And God said, no, I believe God said he's going to do it, so I know he's going to do it. That's supernatural gift of faith. To another, the gifts of healing, plural gifts. Some people have great success praying for cancer. Some have great you know, success praying for ears or eyes or whatever. But he gives us supernatural gifts. Why does he do all this stuff? To confirm that the word of God that we preach is in fact true. Or it gives us an opportunity to preach to somebody after we pray for them to be well or after we've given them a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. It's, How could you do that? Because Jesus Christ loves you and died for you. It's really, these gifts are actually, in my opinion, are more necessary and more often seen outside the local church than in the church because it gives glory to God. 
The next one says, to another, the working of miracles. Oh, well, a supernatural healing would be a miracle, but not every healing is, not every miracle is healing. Jesus walked on water. If God wants you to walk on water, you can walk on water. He said to the storm, peace be still. That was a miracle. There was all kinds of miracles. He multiplied the bread and loaves and fish. To another, prophecy. We heard, to, we heard a prophetic word from Pastor Connie this morning. And let me tell you something quickly. A prophetic word, when it's given to the body, you know it's, it's the word of God. It bears witness through your spirit. It's, it is not a testimony. It is not something I want to teach or preach you. It is a prophetic utterance that God gives to an individual. And again, it's a download, but they're just, a, they're just a, the receiver and the transmitter. They're transmitting the word of God that they heard. It's a prophetic word. It encourages. New Testament prophecy encourages it, build, it builds up, it, it uh, uh, convicts, you know, it, it does three things. It comforts uh, New Testament prophecy. And it can also rebuke, but that's not the primary motivation for New Testament prophecy. To another discerning of spirits, there are three spirits at work in the world. There's the Holy Spirit, there's a demonic spirit, and there's a human spirit. The, the discerning of spirits is not the spirit of suspicion. It is, in fact, the the understanding of what spirit is at work in this circumstance. Is that God? Is that a person? Or is that the devil? You need to know that. We're living in a day, we've always needed to know it, but we certainly need to know it now to another different types of tongues. We heard tongues this morning. And tongues in a public environment like this need to be interpreted. So we had tongues and interpretation of those tongues. Do you understand what I'm saying? The gifts of the Spirit were never intended to be just for a few people. But it says, what did it say? Go back to verse 7 real quick. I heard you say it. Every man. Say it again. Every man. Amen. That's you. Have a gift in you. And some of you have plural, multiple gifts. And you need to be walking in them. Amen. The air AC's gone off again. Amen. Okay, would you fix it? Okay, you have a, you're supposed to walk in the manifestation. If you're not, if you just say, well, I've never been used, then ask. Because if you're a child of God, he says, every one of you has been given a gift. And it's time for you. And it's not just in here. If we had 50 people prophesy, that would be okay. But may, that may not be what God wants for this day. But you know what? You can prophesy when you're talking to your friend. When, you, when you're praying with your family. At work, the Holy Spirit says, and you don't have to go, thus saith the Lord. You can, however God tells you. You don't have to talk in King James English. But it's given to pull down strongholds. These are weapons of warfare. To set people free. Men that have been held captive to fear all their lives. I'm just about done. We, we sang last week and the last couple of weeks, and we're going to sing it again because Zacchaeus is going to come up here in a moment and do it. We sang about a move of God. And, and Zacchaeus said, and Greg reinforced it, that the Master's Commission say that they are a move of God. And that's true. But I don't know about you, but I've been in a move of God. A sovereign move of God. I went to Brownsville, Pensacola, Florida many times. I can tell you that was a move of God. I read about Azusa Street. 365, 24-7, place was open, unbelievable miracles, signs, wonders, and also it was a move of God. In Argentina, back in the 80s, there was a move of God that shook the whole nation. All around the world, over the last 2,000 years, there have been pockets, demonstrations of moves of God. So when we sing, we need a move, I, I mean for us to move. But it's perfectly acceptable to say we want a move of God like that here. But it's only going to happen when you become the movement. I was in the charismatic renewal during the 80s and 70s. 
And, and I, I can tell you un unbelievable stuff. I, I went to Venezuela with Joe Hitchcock a, a couple of times, you know, once by myself. And, and, and I've been there and, and we preached in a stadium to eight, 9,000 people one night. And we stayed on that stadium grounds till three o'clock in the morning praying for people. People would not let us go. They were making a demand upon the anointing. And, and Joel was over here praying with a couple thousand people. And another guy was with us. He was praying over here. And I was over here with a couple thousand people. And we, every person we were praying for practically was healed. That's a move of God, friends. But they, they had an expectation. They had a, they had a, they had a need. They, they, were, they were desperate. God responds to that. I've been in meetings where you couldn't, literally could not stand up because the presence of God was so powerful. Last week, Jim White was here hiding from a hurricane in my house. And he talked about getting an oil change. And he prayed for all of you for a fresh fill-up. Maybe you weren't here. But I submit to you that you need to be filled up consistently. But it's not sufficiently enough for you to just be filled up if you don't give it out. Why be filled up if you don't have any need of it? You cannot walk around as mere human beings in this world with a normal worldview. If, if, and I'm just as guilty as you are that I turn on the news sometimes and I just want to throw things at it. I said the other night I was stopped in to see Shelly Patterson and he said, you know, I'm really concerned about my grandchildren, what the world's going to be like when they grow up. I said, Shelly, so am I. But if we don't do something about it, who will? I can't expect the politicians to do anything right. I don't care what red or blue they are. It's up to the church to rise up in the power and the authority that God has given us as children of God and say, this is the bloodline, We're not, it's not going past this. You cannot have my grandchildren. You cannot have my children. You cannot have my family. You cannot have this city. We're gonna be the people of God. We want a move of God to change people's heart. And it's gonna take a demonstration of the power of God. It's gonna take a demonstration of the spirit of God in you. You hear, you have the voice of God in you. You have the spirit of almighty God in you. You can know what God wants you to do and what to say at just the right moment. He will give it to you. But if you don't ask, you never will. You are supernatural children of the most high God. We have unbelievable power and authority over every work of the enemy. If you'll just take it. If you're going to do that, though, it's going to require Romans 8, 26 says we don't know how to pray. You know, Jesus, I do not know how to pray for this circumstance. Well, praise the Lord. Now let the Spirit of God pray in you. And he says that the Spirit of God makes intercession to the saints according, according to the will of God. And he prays with groanings that can't be uttered. In other words, you, if you've been baptized, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a prerequisite. It's not a choice. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're initiated into that. With, with, there, there comes out of you a verbal flow of words that you do not know. And if you will, that is a prayer language. You can pray that, those words any time. And if you will pray in the spirit, God will give you revelation on what to do. The one of the greatest tools you have been given is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ability to pray in the spirit. And we don't do it. I used to say, and I'm just as guilty, that I prayed more in the spirit than in English. And today that's probably about 50-50. I need to change that. So I rebuke myself. We have the ability to worship him in spirit and in truth. He inhabits our praises. And when we do that, revelation will come. Understanding will come. Put praise music. Well, I, I hesitate to say that. I, I listen to Caleb sometimes. And you know what I've noticed about some of the new songs? The word I is central in every stinking song. 
I'm telling you. Where are the songs about Jesus? Where are the songs about worshiping Him, exalting Him? Lord, when I was down, you were reckless. And I got nothing against reckless love, but you know what? Your reckless love found me. You went after the, you left the 99 and went after me. It's all about me. Why can't we just say, Jesus, I love you? We worship you and, oh God, come Holy Spirit, fill my presence. Fill this room with your presence. I know you've done something for me. Praise the Lord. And once in a while, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm not that old. I get it. I'm a child of the 60s. You ought to hear the stuff I used to listen to. But, but Lord, as I worship you, he gives me a rhema word, a living word that will help me be, to, to deal with the circumstances I'm doing now. As I'm praying in the spirit. Do you know Oral Roberts? I know none of you ever heard of him. But he built his entire ministry on the ability to pray in the spirit. Then God gave him a revelation about that. That's how he built Oral Roberts University, the city of faith, everything. His entire ministry. When he went out to pray for the sick and lay hands upon the sick. Had the greatest, the greatest ministry of healing you know, the world has ever seen. It was all because he spent time praying in the spirit first. We have the capacity to decree and declare the word of God and expect God to move it because we are children of God. I want to close with Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You're part of the family of God. Jehovah is your father. Jesus is your brother. I pray, Paul says, that he might grant you, according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened with power in the inner man by his spirit. Oh, my prayer for you, church, is that you would be strengthened with power in the inner man. Stand up where you are. Father God, just lay your hand on your chest. Say this after me. Father, strengthen me with power in the inner man, with your spirit. Give me boldness. Manifest your glory and your presence and your power through me to this world. Father, let Jesus Christ live big in me. May he dwell in my heart by faith and nothing shall be impossible for me for I am your child and with God all things are possible. Sing this song and I'll pray with you.
for the one next to you. We need to move. Sing it louder. Oh, no. We need to move. This is the move, oh, God. Lord, we're not stopping here. We're just getting started. Acaba de demostrar algo grande a través de mi persona. He says that the Lord has shown him something great uh, through him. Esa canción que cantamos que dice, No te dejará caer, acaba de suceder en mí. That song that we sang, that God is not gonna let you down, happened to him. Hace el lunes van a ser 15 días que pasó algo grande en mí. 15 days ago, on Monday, something happened to him. Yo caí de cinco pies de altura de espalda sentado. He said that he fell from five feet high um, on his back. back. Y el Señor dice, no te dejará caer. Y yo digo, Él no me dejó caer. Él me sostuvo porque mi cuerpo está bien para su gloria. And the Lord said that he's not going to let you down. He sustained him because he's good right now for the glory of God. Y yo quiero que yo quiero que la iglesia lo sepa. Él no nos va a dejar caer. Él no me dejó caer. El Señor nos sostiene en todo momento y yo lo digo para su gloria porque él merece ser glorificado porque lo que yo soy no es porque yo soy sino porque él es en mí. He says that he want the church to know that he's not gonna lay you down. That he's here now because the Lord did it and he's gonna do it with you too. Amen. Que Dios le bendiga. God bless you. Gloria a Dios. Lift your hands to the Lord. Sing that chorus one more time. Miracles happen. Thank you, Lord. Miracles happen. Miracles happen when you Because he's living inside of us. He's coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming. watching us by live stream or you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life all you have to do is say Jesus forgive me come into my heart live there I want to become a child of God I want to have your DNA in me is there anyone in this room that needs to make that confession before we leave here this morning never want to leave an opportunity for you to get right with God if yes you on live stream then just you just say father thank you for for saving me I believe you Jesus is the son of God I believe he died for me and I want to live for him. Help me, Holy Spirit, and he will. And now here's what I want you to do. We've got to put feet to this. You can't sit here and be a sponge and take all this in without giving it out. There's no need to be filled up if you're not going to be poured out. He wants to pour you out as a drink offering. He wants to pour you out to those that are oppressed and in bondage. He wants to pour you out to those who need salvation, who are addicted, who are walking in fear and, and doubt and unbelief. 
And I know that maybe the first time you pray for something, it may not happen. But what will happen if when you do pray, something does happen? So we keep it up. We walk by faith and not by sight. The Word of God has already given us the answer. But you must be willing to be the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit in this world. You have power. You have authority. You are a child of God. Nothing is too difficult for you because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Father, I pray for that revelation. The mystery be revealed that Christ in us was hidden from the beginning of time, but now is being manifested to the church, has been for 2,000 years. Let the church walk into its destiny. Let the church, the people of God, not live as mere humans, but live as supernatural beings. And understand that you are walking with us, you are walking in us, and you're living and breathing and moving through us. Have your way in our lives. Let us be the move of God that you want us to be. And Lord, let it manifest throughout this entire region, not just in this church on a Sunday morning or a Monday night or a Tuesday night, but Lord, let it manifest through us wherever we go. We can hear the voice of God. We can speak your word. We can decree and declare. We can lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. We are not mystical. We are supernatural children of God and heirs and joint heirs to every promise you have made. I bless you, church. I bless you, the church, that wherever you walk, you walk as divine agents of the Most High God. You are, you are the children of God, and you will make a change in your families, in your community, and in this world. In Jesus' name, I bless you in the powerful, matchless, unbelievable, mighty name of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. Give it to him. Hallelujah.